Are you guys got your Bibles out? Hallelujah. Well, as you're turning to your Bibles, um, how many of you know that 2014 is almost over? Right? We're almost over. 2014 is almost over. How many, does it, did it go fast or was it just me? 2014 seemed like it just started, but in a few months it's going to be over. Can I hear an amen? But how that even though this year is almost over, God did a lot of awesome things this year. Come on, are you guys with me? How you know God did a lot of awesome things this year? Amen. Not just, maybe not just in your life, but how you know in the ministry here at the heart of the bay, God did some awesome, powerful things in the year 2014. Can I hear an amen? We had, what, drama-rama? Come on. No other church in our ministry ever done anything like that. Drama-rama. Seven dramas in seven nights. And how many know that that's a little different? How many know that that was awesome? And how many guys were here for that? That was great. That was awesome, right? And how many know God is just doing all kinds of awesome things? I mean, I could go over and over and thing after thing after thing that God has done in 2014. Because you know what? You're here tonight. You were here in 2014. How many know for some of you, that's pretty awesome. Can I hear an amen? You need to give yourself a high five tonight if that's you. Amen. Praise the Lord. You say, I went to church for a whole year. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Come on now. Some of you guys say, I'm still saved. I'm going to give myself a high five. Praise the Lord. But how you know, you really got to look at those things and say, man, that was awesome. Because when you look back, if you don't remember the things that God did within your life, sometimes you really don't look forward to the next year. Because you, you really don't feel like anything really happened this year. And like, well, I ain't got nothing forward to, to look forward to next year. Amen. But I'm here to let you know tonight that even though God did some awesome things here in 2014, that God is going to do some even better things, some even greater things in the year 2015. Can I hear an amen? So I hope you guys are ready. Hallelujah. You see, how many know that our God is a God of progress? Oh, come on now. How many know that God is a God of progress? God is always moving forward. That our God is not a, a God of the backwards. Amen. I don't know if that made sense, but God is not a God of the back. God is a God of progress, always going forward, always going to another level, always taking another step. Can I hear an amen? See, God, he wants to move us from where we are right now, and he wants to move us to the next place that he wants us to be. Just like within 2014, right? We're here right now, but pretty soon we're going to be moving forward, right? As we take more steps, we're going to be moving into 2015. We're going forward. We're progressing into the next place that God wants us to be. Amen? Do you know that God wants to take you from where you are at right now, and he wants to take you to another place where he wants you to be? Even though you're, at, you're where he wants you to be right now, that he still has another place that he wants you to be. Does that make sense? Even though you're here right now, God has already got another place where he wants you to be. So just because you might be in a good place, you say, well, it's good right here. Things are going awesome right now. That's okay. But I'm here to let you know that God wants to take you somewhere else. He's got another place all ready for you that he wants you to be. Amen. Next year. Can I hear an amen? Just like the Israelites, right? They were in Egypt, right? They were going through all these different things. God took them out of there. And even though they got to certain places within the wilderness, they're like, man, why do you think they got stuck in, in the wilderness for so long? Amen. How many, why do you think they got stuck there? Because how do you know that God was a God of progress, right? God wanted to continue to take them, but they kind of got comfortable. Like, hey, we're out of Egypt. Amen. Praise God. Right? They say, this is good. After they got out, pretty soon they started grumbling. Amen. They started complaining. Because they weren't doing the things that God wanted them to do to be able to take them where God wanted to take them to. How do you know that it should have only taken them 11 days to get from Egypt to the promised land? And how long were they out there? 40 years. Something was going on. Can I hear an amen? So don't get stuck like the Israelites. Amen. You see, God loves us just the way he found us, right? How many know that we were messed up when God found us? Okay, it was just me. Amen. But how many know that we were all messed up when God found us? 
I know nobody here was, had it all together when God found you, right? We were all messed up. We were all selfish. We all had a bunch of complexes, right? And that's the way we were when God found us. And yes, he loved us when he found us like that. But how many know that God doesn't want to leave us that way? Right? God didn't want to leave us that way. He said, yes, come as you are. Amen. Come as just like you are. I love you just the way you are, Greg. Amen. Right now, God says, Greg, I love you just the way you are. But God doesn't want to leave Greg the way that he is. Amen. God has got someplace he wants to take him. Can I hear an amen? Because Greg used to be bound. Greg used to be lost. I used to be lost. I used to be bound. I'm picking on Greg tonight. Amen. But God didn't want to leave us the way that he found us. And the same goes for you. I don't know where you were at when God found you, but I'm here to let you know. I don't know where you're at here tonight, but I'm here to let you know that God doesn't want to leave you the way that he's founding you here tonight. Amen? His plan is not for us to stay the same way. God wants us to go forward, to progress into the plan and calling that he has laid out for each and every one of our lives. Are you with me? And how many of you guys here know how to drive a car? Praise the Lord. Is that just a matter of opinion? Amen, right? If you look at your wife, you say, I know how to drive, right? And you're like, well, I don't know. Praise God. So this might be a matter of opinion. But if you know how to drive a car, then you need to know a couple things. One thing is you know that in order to drive a car, in order to go forward in a vehicle, in order for that car to move forward, it has to be what? It has to be in gear, right? It has to be in gear. And how many know that when a, for a car to go forward, to progress, to be able to have motion, it has to, go, has to be in gear, to move forward. When God wants us to move forward, we have to switch gears. To go from where we're at right now to where God wants to take us, how many know we have to switch gears? Are you guys with me? Am I making a little bit of sense tonight? To go from where we're at right now to where God wants to take us, we're going to have to switch gears because we're in a certain gear right now. If you, if you guys know how to drive cars, you know what I'm talking about. Like, how many here know how to drive a manual transmission? Amen. Come on. Everybody should learn how to drive a manual transmission. Amen. Men, if you're a man and you don't know how to drive a manual transmission, shame on you. Praise the Lord. I'm, that's just a guy thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. But if you don't know how to drive a manual transmission, you need to learn how to drive a manual transmission, and you will probably understand a little bit more of what I'm going to come, come at you with right now. But, <coughs> excuse me. Anyways, well, in a vehicle with a manual transmission, you can only go so fast forward, or you can only progress so fast forward in a certain gear. Because if you stay in that certain gear, eventually you're just going to be able to only go so fast. If you continue to try to go faster, what's going to happen? You're going to blow up that transmission. Amen. But when you switch gears, you're able to progress even more. You're able to go to another level. Can I hear an amen? Are you with me? So in order to move forward, we have to switch gears to get to another rate of motion or to go faster. Amen. So it is with, I believe, this new year that's going to be coming up very soon. I believe that we are in a place where God is saying, it's okay. It's time to switch gears. Amen. It's time to switch gears now. We've been doing great all 2014. We were in a great gear. We were in an awesome gear. Great things were happening. People were getting saved. The church is multiplying. People are, are coming. And we're seeing transformation all over the place. And I believe that our name, the name of Victory Archie is really beginning to get out there even more than it was before within this city. Great things were happening. We were in a great gear. Can I hear an amen? amen. But I believe God is saying, okay, 2015 is coming. It's time to get ready to switch gears. Amen. Because if we wait until 2015 comes and then we say, okay, now I'm going to switch gears, it's not going to happen. Because anybody here that knows about racing cars, you know that unless you switch gear at a certain point, you're going to lose the race. Amen. You can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to switch gears. Uh, I think about right now. No, you have to know when to switch gears. And every good race car driver knows that if I don't switch gears at this point, I'm going to miss it. 
And I believe it's the same thing with us. We have to switch gears now before the year happens. Amen? Because sometimes we wait until 2015 rolls around, right? The new year rolls around. And we have all these, uh, 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 what do they call them? Resolutions, right? And we wait until after the new year. Oh, well, once the new year starts, then I'm going to go to the gym. Hello. Hallelujah. I had that resolution for like the last five years. Amen. And it never got past the first week of January. But see, we always wait until after the new year. Well, once the new year comes, then I'm going to do it, right? Well, no, you have to begin to do something before, it ha- before the, the new thing happens, before the new thing is going to happen. You've got to get yourself ready now. Switch gears now. Can I hear an amen? Are you guys with me? Praise the Lord. I'm going old school tonight, amen? I got my Pastor Steve notes out here. Praise the Lord. How many of you guys like, love te- technology? I love technology, but technology doesn't love me. Praise the Lord. So I just I got frustrated and I just whipped out the old paper and pad and just went to town. Amen. So it's time to switch gears for this new year, I believe, that's coming up to get to the, de- the destination that God wants to take us to. Amen. You see, because God wants to move us to a higher place of fellowship with him and with those that he has called us to reach and also a, a higher calling of fellowship with each other. Amen. Because when we fellowship more with each other and we get... This puts away lack of better words. When we get in each other's business, hello, more as a church, as a family, amen, and we get closer to God, we're able to get closer to the people that God has called us to reach. And those are the people that are out there in the streets. Can I hear an amen? But in order to switch gears, it's going to take some things from us to be able to make the jump to the next gear. Amen? And if you've got your Bibles there, go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He's actually going to put it up on the screen there. Amen? And I'm going to read it directly from there. You can follow me there if you want or if you have your Bible. Hopefully you do. The Bible says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Somebody say amen. Now, here in this verse, Paul is essentially saying that God wants our commitment. God wants us to be committed. Can I hear it? Not to a hospital. Hello. Not to an insane asylum. He doesn't want us to be committed that way. But God wants us to be committed. He wants our commitment. Are you guys committed tonight? He wants to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Now, how many know that that's a, that's a commitment? Amen. To offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Because you see, we have to be committed to the one who saved us. We have to be committed to the one who delivered us. We have to be committed to the one that set us free. Huh? Come on now. Or else how are we going to be committed to other people? How can you be committed to the people out there that are lost and hurting if we can't even commit ourselves to Christ, the one who saved us? Because we're out there trying to tell people, you know, God loves you. God wants to change your life. And God wants to do all these different things in your life. And, you know, you need to commit your life to Christ, but we haven't committed our life to Christ. You see, our relation with God comes first above all other commitments. Amen? Because how many know that we have to be committed to a lot of different things within our lives? But how many know that first we got to be committed to Christ? We have to be committed to God. God is first, amen, and everything else is second. I'm going to say that again. We have to be committed to Christ first, and everything else is second. Amen? Does anybody not understand that? Amen? Christ is first. Christ is ahead. Everything is above, everything, he is above everything, and everything else is below him. That includes your wife, your kids, your marriage, your car, your job, your money, your mom, your dad, everything is below that. Amen? You see, we need also need to be also not just committed to Christ, but that's the most important, but we also need to be committed, for those of you that are married, we need to be committed to our marriages. Amen? Marriages are very important. Can I hear an amen, Brother Greg? 
<laughs> I'm picking on Greg tonight. Praise God. But we have to be committed to our marriages. Because there's, a, like I said, there's many different things we have to be committed to, but we have to prioritize our commitments. First Christ, and then we, if we're married, we got to be committed to our marriages. Because marriage is not an easy thing. Hello, married people. That was your opportunity to say amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm telling you, because marriage is work. Marriage is not easy. Those of you single people that might be saying, man, if I could just get married. I'm telling you, take your time. Don't be in a hurry. Amen. And, and if you have any questions about that, you can just listen to the uh, podcast from Sunday uh, from uh, uh, Shane Willard. Man, he broke it down. It was pretty simple, straightforward. Amen. So if you're single, just listen to the podcast. Amen. But for us married couples, we got to be committed to our marriages. Amen. We have to be committed to our marriages because even in our marriages, we have to put God first. We have a tendency sometimes because we love our wives, we love our husbands, we have a tendency to put them before God and then something happens, amen, within the marriage. Praise the Lord. Because like, it's, it, it's actually like this. Matt and Shana. If Matt's relationship with God, right, if this relationship is not good, then this relationship definitely not going to be good. Right, Sister Shana? Amen. If you want to know the truth, always ask the wife. Hallelujah. So we got to be committed to our marriages. Whatever that might be within your marriage, is, it might not be the same as my marriage. Amen? Your commitment might be different than my commitment, but we have to be committed. And one of the best things to be committed is be committed to Christ first. And put your wife second. Put your husband second. Do whatever you got to do to strengthen your marriage. Take marriage classes. Go to marriage group. Do whatever you got to do. Get marriage books. Do whatever you have to do to build your marriage and put your marriage exactly where it belongs on the rock of Christ. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are you guys with me? Married couples, are you with me? Because married couples, I'm here to tell you, love is not going to keep you married. Love is not going to keep you married for 50, 60 years. That's just, you know, so I might have just popped somebody's bubble right now. Amen. But love is not going to keep you married. In the beginning, yes. In the beginning, it's like, oh, I love her, and oh, I love him. And, th and that's great, and that's awesome. But pretty soon, life happens. Amen. Life happens. And uh, then it's pretty much, you, look, you know, you look at your spouse, they come home, you're like, man, I don't know why I married that guy. Right? Or, man, she don't even cook like she used to. I don't know if I really love her. Amen? Right? And we start tripping. Then love begins to wane. Amen? Because love is an emotion. And an emotion is not going to keep you married. Hello. Right? Love is not going to keep you married. It's going to be your commitment to your vows is what's going to keep you married. Can I hear you? Amen, married couples. So be committed in your marriage. Does that mean you know that strong married couples within the church is a strong church? Amen. I mean, marriages are the pillars. Strong marriages are the pillars of the church. Because things can come against the church. Things can come against your families. But when you have a strong marriage, the church can survive. Amen. Because if you look at a dysfunctional family, right, you look at the mom and dad, and that's probably where the dysfunction is, right? You go always look at because the marriage is usually messed up. Amen. But when you have a strong marriage, there's usually a strong family. Amen. And when you have strong marriages in the church, the church family is strong. Can I hear an Amen. Not only do we got to be committed to our marriages, we also got to be committed to raising and teaching our kids about Jesus. Come on now. We got to be committed to raising our kids and teaching our kids about Jesus and the importance of having a relationship with him. And in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, the Bible says, start children off on the ways you should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Can I hear an amen? We got to teach our kids. The kids are the next generation. The kids are the next the, the generation that's going to take this church in 20, 30, 40 years. I know pastors going to be, I'm going to be around for a while, but the kids, they're going to be growing up and they're going to be expiring to say, you know what? We want to take part in this too. We want to help. We got a calling upon our lives. We got to be able to teach them. Amen. We got to be able to show them how to have a relationship with God. 
And it's going to start with us. It's going to start with you, mom and dad. Can I hear an amen? Don't, don't leave it up to the church to teach your kids about Jesus. Don't say, hey, you know, go to children's church, learn about Jesus. No, you come home from church and you teach them about Jesus. You tell them, well, what did you learn? What did they tell you? Okay, well, let's, let's find out. Come on now. Hello. Some of us, we, we leave our kids at children's church like it's a babysitting club. Amen? Like, no, it's not a babysitting club. Yeah, we have, what, an hour and a half maybe every Sunday on, a, on Thursday nights to, you know, try to pour into the kids as much as possible. When you got like 30 of them on class, that's not easy. Hello. Ask Pastor, you got four. That's not easy. And you got 30 of them and four of them are his. Amen. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Whatever you do, let's just chill here. That amen. Cut, cut that out of the anything. Praise God. No, but you get 30 kids in one room and you try to teach them about Jesus. It's a little difficult. Amen. So it's up to us as the parents first and foremost to be able to teach our kids, raise our kids in the way of the Lord. And then it's also us single people. Get a hold of those youngsters. Amen. Help Brother Daniel and the, and, and the youth gang and be able to teach these guys what it is to have a relationship with Christ. Amen. So that they will know what it is to be committed. Can I hear an amen? Because they're the next generation. They're the next church leaders. Some of them kids are going to be your pastor one day. Amen. One of those kids is my pastor right now. I mean, when I came in the church, he was a kid. And never in my dreams did I ever think that, you know, well, actually, that's not true. I knew one day he would, I knew he was going to be the pastor of the church one day. I just didn't sure if I was still going to be saved. Amen. <laughs> that's how long ago that was. Praise the Lord. So I never thought he was going to be my pastor. I was like, man, he's going to be the pastor of this church one day. But I was, you know, I was messed up back then. Praise the Lord. So I didn't know if I was still going to be here. But honestly, those kids, one of these days, they're going to be your pastor. They're going to be your pastor's wife. They're going to be sent out all over the world to go start churches. But it's going to be up to us. We have to be committed. We got to commit ourselves to teaching them, to showing them the way. Are you with me? We also got to be committed to servanthood, to the people God has called us to reach. How many know God has called us to reach the city of Hayward? Yes, God has called us to reach all over, you know, all over the East Bay, the West Bay, the South Bay, the North Bay. He's called us, but he's called us here first. This is our Jerusalem. Amen. But at first, before we can reach Jerusalem, we got to reach us. We got to learn how to be committed to serving each other, man. Really, that's what I love about life groups. Life groups are awesome. How many of you guys love life groups? Life groups are, are a place where we're able to come and we're able to learn about these different kinds of commitments that we need to have, especially servanthood, because we're able to serve each other, be able to break bread with each other, fellowship with each other, and really just get in there with God and learn what it is to serve, amen? Because when we learn how to serve each other, then it's, it's, it's no problem to be able to go out and serve other people. But if you can't serve the person sitting next to you, how are you going to go serve some, somebody out there in the street you don't even know? Make sense? Come on now. See, God has put us in this ministry to reach hurting people. And some of you, maybe that was just like light bulb. You didn't know that. God has put us in this ministry to reach hurting people. God didn't bring us to Victory Outreach Church in the heart of the bay so we can warm the pews. That's not why he brought us here. This ministry is not like other ministries. This ministry is all about outreach. It's all about going out and reaching the hurting people, reaching the people that are on the streets that used to be just like us. Because I know nobody came in here and had it all together. Amen? <coughs> Excuse me. We need to be committed to doing this. We need to be committed to doing all we can to enable this ministry to accomplish that task of serving. Amen? Of serving. Somebody look at your neighbor and say serving. Not only is shifting gears going to take commitment. Somebody say commitment. 
But shifting gears is also going to take courage. Somebody say courage. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, the Bible says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. Now, how many know that if you read the story or if you watch biblical cartoons or you watch, you know, other kind of programs about this whole thing that took place right here in 1 Samuel, you know that what David did took a lot of courage because Goliath wasn't just some chump from down the block. Amen. He was over, they say he was over nine feet tall. He was a seasoned warrior. He was a veteran warrior. He just wasn't his first picnic. Amen. He had been to many wars and many battles. And you got little David over here, right? It's like, imagine Daniel, brother Daniel. Amen. I'm going to pick on Daniel right now. Amen. You see how, you know, he's not small. He's just, you know, just little. Amen. Hallelujah. He's just not as big as everybody else. Hallelujah. I wish I was small like him. Amen. But let's say you see somebody like Daniel. I'm just going to guess that he looks, that's probably what David probably looked like at that age. He was very, very young. Amen. And then you imagine some guy that's over nine foot tall. You know, how many guys, do you guys see that YouTube that, 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 that high school basketball player is bigger than Shaq? Do you guys see that guy? That's like, that's what Goliath probably looked like. He was bigger than Shaq. Remember, you guys know Shaq, right? You guys know who Shaquille O'Neal is, basketball, right? Huge guy. Now imagine Daniel coming up to him and just, Wham, letting him have it. That took a lot of courage. Just to be able to speak what he spoke took a lot of courage. Amen. How many know that some of us, we need courage? Some of us are kind of like the cowardly lion. We just need a little courage. Amen. Now, David was a young, skinny boy standing up against a massive giant. Again, a seasoned warrior. This guy was, he'd been around the block a few times. Amen. But see, in the year to come, the year that's going to be coming up, in 2015, we're going to face some giants in our lives. Amen. How many know that we're going to face some giants in our own lives? You're going to face some giants. I'm going to face some giants. The Nationals are facing some giants. Amen. Right to play in the Nationals, right? And I believe that the Nationals are going to be able to bam down those giants. Hallelujah. Just kidding. Praise the Lord. Actually, I'm rooting for the Giants. Amen. Even though I'm an A's fan, I'm rooting for them because we've got to keep it real for the Bay Area, right? Praise the Lord. So, you know, we'll see. Hallelujah. But we're going to face some giants within our lives. The Bible, nowhere in the Bible does it say that Christianity is going to be like, you know, a, a bowl full of cherries. And you're going to go tiptoeing through the tulips when you become a Christian. Amen. You're going to face some giants within your life. You might have already faced some giants. You might have already slain some giants. But how do you know that once you, you come up against one giant and you, have the, you get the victory, you know what happens? There's another giant that's going to come. Amen. Because there used to be a saying in the neighborhood that there's always somebody bigger and badder than that guy. Amen. You think that guy's bad? There's always somebody bigger and badder than him. Amen. And that's the same thing in the world. When, when, when we defeat one giant, you know, yeah, we, you know, we get the victory. Amen. Praise the Lord. But then there's going to be another giant. Life is always going to throw things at us. Life is always going to try to take us out. The enemy is always going to try to take us out. Just because you get the victory one time doesn't mean he's going to give up. Can I hear an amen? The enemy's on it. He's on. He's not giving up. He's not slowing down. He's not saying, oh, okay, I might as well just give up. No, he's been doing this for some years. He's been doing this for thousands of years. He's been doing this for a long time. And he knows, and he, even though he knows that he's been defeated, that's how arrogant he is. He knows he's been defeated. He knows he's a loser, but yet he still tries to win. Amen. So he's going to bring giants within our lives. So you've got to be ready for those in our lives, in our ministries, and even within our families. In Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6, the Bible says, <clears throat> Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is with you. He will never leave you 
nor forsake you. Say, be strong and courageous. Remember that the battle belongs to the Lord. The battle is not yours. Amen. The battle doesn't belong to you. Even though you might feel like it belongs to you, it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the Lord. You got to let the Lord do your fighting for you. Amen. And you do that through prayer, through fasting, reading his word, coming around other believers in life groups, getting in that fellowship. That's how you battle giants within your life. You don't lock yourself in your room and say, oh, God, why me? You know, and, and stay in bed and don't want to get out of bed and let that, that spirit of depression come upon you. That's not how you fight a giant. That's not how David fought a giant. That's how Saul was fighting the giant. Right? Do you remember the story? Saul was kicking it in his tent. Well, everybody else, was, and other, everybody else was just standing around until David came and said, no, I'm going to make a stand. And that's what we have to do. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. When you're facing a giant and everybody else is just standing around watching, you need to make the stand. You need to be the one to stand up and tell that giant, right? You need to be the one to stand up and tell that giant, hey, my God is going to fight my battles for me. My God is bigger than your God. Amen. So the battle belongs to the Lord. Now, battles will come and battles will go. But we need to be men and women of courage like David. Amen. He didn't let the size and the experience of that giant stop him from attacking him. Amen. Because he could have. He could have said, whoa, I'm, I'm good. Right? He said, no, no, no. But he didn't. He stood and he went on the attack. See, God is going to ask us to step out into places that we've never been before. David had never fought a giant like that. It wasn't something that he had done before. He fought a lion and a bear, but this was another step. He had shifted gears right here. This is what he was doing. He was shifting gears. He said, okay, and he even told him, because I fought a lion and I fought a bear. I'm ready to fight a giant. He shifted gears. Come on now. If anybody, have you guys ever done that in a manual transmission in a car? Come on, you guys know what I'm talking about then. You know that feeling of that rush that you get. Amen, when you hit that gear and that, that, the back tires chirp, right? Come on. The guys know what I'm talking about. Amen. And you hear that little chirp, and you're like, yeah. Amen. Because he's like, yeah. Well, that's the same thing that David was feeling. He was shifting gears, man. He was first gear, whop, hit that bear. Whop, second gear, hit that lion. And then whop, chirp. Right? I'm going for a giant. Amen. Come on. How many of you guys want to go for a giant? Come on now. <coughs> Praise the Lord. Excuse me. You see, God is going to call us to step, call us to, he's going to call us out into places we've never been before. Amen. He's going to take us out of our comfort zones. Can I hear an amen? Maybe it's good to be a life group leader. Maybe it's to be a life group host. Maybe it's just to open up your house for a life group. Who knows? Maybe he's going to call you to go to work and uh, volunteer in the children's church. Maybe he's going to you know, call you to, to help out with the ushers or help out with the greeters or help you with the sound ministry, the media ministry. Who knows? But it's going to be out of your comfort zone. And for some of us, it'll feel like a giant. Amen? Because sometimes when we get taken out of our comfort zone, it's like a giant. We're like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It kind of looks like the deep end of the pool, right? Hello. How many of you guys don't like the deep end of the pool? Okay, come on. Just be honest here tonight. Come on. Now, some of you guys need to learn how to swim. Praise the Lord. But see, God is going to challenge you one way or another. Maybe he's going to have you begin to start tithing, amen? Maybe that's going to be your giant next year. Who knows? You know, you're, you've been coming for a while, and you're like, you know, I'm not sure about this giving thing. I'm not sure. You know, I know what the, I know what the Bible says, but I don't know. Switch gears, man. Come on. Get out of that. Because if you're not tithing, you're like in neutral. I'm telling you, you're like in neutral. But how many of you know that, uh, how many of you guys got automatics? How do you know an automatic, 
Automatic is exactly what it is. It's automatic, right? You don't got to do nothing, right? How do you know that in God's world, in the kingdom of God, there is no automatics? Amen? Because in an automatic, you don't got to do nothing. It just does it by itself, right? I'm here to let you know that in the kingdom of God, things don't happen just by themselves. You can't just come sit in a pew and say, okay, God, I'm here. Make it happen. I'm in automatic. No, I used to think like that. Pastor Steve, he used to come to me and tell me, you know, what's going on with you? And I said, it's okay, Pastor. I'm right here. I'm, in, I'm right here. I'm just in neutral, man. I'm not going back and I'm not going forward, but I'm in neutral. I'm just coasting. And he used to tell me, there is no neutral in Christianity, especially with an automatic. You can't just sit here and think God is going to move on your behalf because you're here. Just coming to church doesn't, like, God doesn't go, oh, my God, he's in church. I'm going to bless your life. It doesn't happen like that. I'm going to grow you. No, we have to do something. We have to do something. We got to put it in gear, man. There is no automatic transmissions in Christianity. There's only manual transmissions. We have to do something. Can I hear an amen? So for some of us, it's going to be a, these giants. Who knows? Could be some crazy stuff. Amen. Again, tithing. Maybe some of you, you're tithing right now. And you're like, man, but I, you know, I'm giving. I'm giving, but you've been, in, you've been stuck in that. Oh, I'm giving. You've been stuck there for a while. And God is like, mm, mm, come on. Uh, you're giving 10 Come on, give 20%. Come on, shift gears. Go to 20%. Amen? Because some of us, I'm going to be honest. I know this isn't a tithing matter, a giving message, but giving 10%, yes. God says give 10%. That's awesome. Give your 10%. But for some of us, giving 10% is nothing. That's like chump change. All right, God, there's your 10%. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Right? It's not a big deal. It's nothing to us. It's, you know, it's, I mean, you do it. That's great. You do it. You're faithful. But 10% is like, pfft. You know, that's like the change you put in that little ashtray on your nightstand when you come home from work. For some of us. Amen. So God is saying, come on. Come on. 20%. Shift gears. Just do it. Come on. Just do it. Amen. Remember the scripture I read? The first scripture? Sacrifice. God is, some of us, God is going to call us to switch gears into sacrificial giving. Just saying. Amen. <coughs> So take courage. Now you know that he didn't bring us out this far to take us back again. God didn't save you. God didn't do all the great things that he did in your life. He didn't do all the awesome things that he did in the church this year just to take us back again. Huh? He didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't take the Israelites out to the desert so they could just go back to Egypt. Sometimes they wanted to, right? You read the, read the Bible. They're like, man, we should have just stayed in Egypt, man. We had it much better back there. But see, that's not God's plan. God is a God of progression, progress, moving forward. Not going back. He didn't bring you out this far. Because some of us, we're out here pretty far right now. Can I hear an amen? Are you with me? Some of us are out real far right now. He didn't bring us out this far just to take us back again. Amen? God is not like that. God is not, God doesn't want to see us fail. Sometimes we have a perverted view of God or perception of God. We think that he just, you know, he's just waiting for us to mess up so they can wham, so he can put the hammer down on us. That's not the God that we serve. That's not the God that we serve. Our God wants to, no, come on. I'm going to help you. Come on. We start to drown. No, come on, come on, come on, come on. And he lifts our arms up. He says, no, 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 come on, come on, come on, come on. You can do it. I know it looks tough. Come on, come on, come on. You can do it. I'm right here. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you like the, the scripture says. He's never, he's never left us nor forsaken us. He's always there. Amen? If God is moving you out into the deep, he's going to go with you. Amen. How many of you guys don't know how to swim? Well, I used to be a, a swim instructor when I was younger. And, in, and with kids, 
teaching kids how to swim can be a challenge. Amen. Especially to get them from the shallow end to the deep end. It's a challenge. Some of the ones that, you know, they're like on the wall. You know, you're like, come on, let's go to the deep end. They go, okay, okay, okay. You know, on the wall the whole way. You're like, no, 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 not like that. Come on, come on, come on. Right? You try to get them away from the wall, and it's, sometimes it's nearly impossible. But that's the same thing God does. God says, come on. Come on, come to the deep end. He's not sitting over in the deep end going, come on, you can do it. No, he's right there next to you. Come on, come on, come on. And they would, one hand at a time, they would reach out and they would grab you. They would grab me and I would hold their hand. I'd be, come on, come on. And they would let go and I would just, come on, come on. And I would hold on to hold on to their hand as they begin to, you know, right? But they would hold on to my hand and slowly but sure they would come. They would follow and I would hold on to their hand. The guy does the same thing. God's saying, come on to the deep end. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. He says, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's okay, it's okay. Amen? And sooner or later, you get them out, you get the kids to the deep end, you know, and they're like, okay. You know, they're they're treading water in the deep end, you know, and you let go, but you're right there. You know, God is still right there with you. And you're treading water, you know, and they're they're like, it's okay, it's okay. I begin to calm them down. like, oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, yeah. And then they kind of start getting it, right? They go to phase one, right? Come on now. Like, oh, yeah. All right. Then they they, they finish that class, and they go to phase two. They're like, hey. All right, now they're in the, you know, they're swimming, hey, this is kind of cool. Right, then they go to phase three, right? They're like, hey, I like this, right? Phase three. And then all of a sudden they get to vetting, and they're like, <laughs> right? That's what, it, that's what it's like. Then you're all over the deep end, but God is with us the whole way, the whole time. He's just going, come on, just come on with me. He's not at the other end, just going, come on, come on. And when you start sinking, they're like, he's like, ha, ha. That's not God. God doesn't bring us out to the deep end to watch us sink. God brings us out to the deep end so we can experience him more. I'm telling you, are you guys with me? God brings us out to the deep so we can experience him more because that's where he lives. God lives in the deep end. Yes, he comes to the shallow end to get us, but then he wants to bring us out to the deep end where he's at. He wants you to swim. He doesn't want you to sink. I'm going to have the worship team go ahead and make their way up right now. He wants us to swim. He doesn't want us to sink. God has taken me to the deep end of the pool many times. There's many different times when God had to pull me. Pastor would tell you stories when, you know, when I was younger in the Lord. And there were many times, you know, that I was, like I said, I, I told Pastor, nah, I'm cool. I'm in neutral. I, I'm just good. I'm just, I'm just happy I'm saved, man. I'm just happy I'm even here. And I'm not even high right now. Right? Because I used to come to church Hi, I used to come to church, sit, in the, sit in, the, in, the, in the seats, and Pastor Steve would be preaching, and I'd be falling out, right? But I would come. I would come. But eventually, God kept pulling me in. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. And slowly but surely, I would go. All right, all right, I'd go a little bit farther. I'd go a little bit farther, right? Go a little bit farther, a little bit farther. And sometimes I messed up, but every single time, God was right there next to me the whole time. He didn't say, oh, you messed up. Okay, I'm going back to the deep end. No. He's right there still. Okay, it's okay. Get up. It's all right. Get up. And I would get up. And I didn't have to go all the way back to the wall. All right, I got to start over again. Okay, okay. He says, no, come on. Just get it right where you're at. Come on. Let's go. You already did that. Come on. Let's go. And he would, come on, come on, come on. And he would pull me. Slowly and slowly, he would pull me. Because I know we mess up. Messing up's okay. It's part of life. We just don't want to keep messing up the same way over and over again. Amen. If you mess up, okay, that's fine. That's good. Just get over it. Get up. God says, it's okay. Just get up. Just come with me. Come on. I remember clear as day, the day I got out of jail. Actually, the day after I got out of jail. 
Amen. I think I got out on a Friday, went to church on a Sunday, and I remember coming up to the church, and I remember the person coming up to me, and it was he was the leader of the ministry that I was involved in before I went to jail, and he just came up to me. He said, "Are you ready?" I said, "Ready for what?" He's ready to get back in there, man. I'm like, "Are you serious?" Thinking in my head, I just got out of jail. He's like, "You ready?" Yeah, I guess. He said, "Okay, I need you today." Okay, and I started, you know, so I picked up the offering and, you know, helped pick up the offering. Not up here, <laughs> praise the Lord. I held the bucket, but but just that, God showed me that it was okay. I can get back on the bike. Amen. But it took courage, because a lot of people they we shrink back. We see that and we go, no, I don't want to do that again. No, take courage. The Bible says. Take courage. I'm in the deep end right now. But I know that he goes even deeper. Because that's the thing with the deep end with Christ. The deep end doesn't have an end until we get to heaven. It just keeps going and going. It gets deeper and deeper. And God just says, come on, it's okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm right here next to you. And the only reason why I do it is because I know that God is with me. Because I know that I couldn't do it if God wasn't with me. You can't do it if God's not with you. Having courage or being courageous does not mean not being afraid or scared. Because every time I have to come up here, I get afraid. Every time I come up here, I, ha- I get scared. But courage is no matter what, you do it anyways. Really, that's just easy so I can say, it. yeah, you're scared, but you do it anyways. That's courage. David was probably scared. David was probably... I mean, how could you not see a guy like that and not be scared? Even though he knew God was with him, still, how could you not be scared? It's because he had courage. Because he had courage because it was something that was not within him because he knew it was God. And that gave him the courage to stand against the giant. It means facing those fears with confidence, not in ourselves, but in Christ. You see, I believe 2015 is going to be a year of victory. I really, really do. And I believe that together as Victory Every Church, Heart of the Bay, is God has got us on a, on, a, on a journey right now. God is really, he's molding us together. He's, he's I guess you could say he's, uh, he's making us more cohesive. We're, we're really beginning to fellowship together more on a different level. Another level of servanthood, I believe, is beginning to uh, happen within the church. A whole other culture is beginning to happen within the church. I love it. And the life groups are a huge part of it. Because that's where we're able to, again, learn how to love each other. How many know that we, didn't, we come to the church, we don't know how to love our, our idea of love is perverted. When we come and we get involved in a life group, we're able to sit down with people that have gone through the same things of us, as we have and might even be going through the same things that we go through right now. We're able to love them. We're able to serve them. We're able to minister to them. We're able to break bread with them, share the word of God with them. That's what God wants. And that's, what, that's the culture that we're creating because that's the culture that God created in the very first church. It was a culture of family, of fellowship, of Bearing one another's burdens, amen? Picking your brother up when they fall. Amen, not kicking them. Come on now. I'm going to just say this. A lot of Christians, Christianity's got a bad rap right now. A lot of Christians are getting shot in the back by other Christians, so-called Christians. But that's not what God called us for. God called us to pick each other up when we fall. Not shoot each other in the back. We've got to love each other. But I believe in this year coming up, if we continue to be committed, some of us, we need to maybe recommit our commitments tonight. 
Because some of our commitments, we might have been, uh, you know, God's good. I love God, but I love my job even more. My job comes first. My family comes first. But you put God first. God takes care of everything else. Everything else. I'm not saying you have to neglect your family and neglect your job, you know, and do all these different things. Oh, God, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to forget all about that stuff and forget my boss and forget my wife. I don't care what she thinks because I'm serving God first. No, that's not what I'm saying. You just put God first. You love God first. And God will take care of everything else. So we got to be committed. We got to have courage. <coughs> and standing firm and being courageous in the midst of of any and all adversity and facing the challenges that God is going to give us, I believe in this next year, we will see great and mighty things in 2015. Amen. Stand with me here tonight. Bow your heads with me. Some of us, we need to recommit ourselves tonight. Some of our commitments, our priorities, our commitments have, we don't know how, we've got them out of whack. They're not exactly where they're supposed to be. God is not first. Some of us, we put them second or third. Some of us, we see these giants. We see these different things happening within our lives or, and we just, we get scared and instead of facing them and attacking them head on in the power of Christ, we tend to try to avoid them, sweep them under the rug and then we never really experience that true growth that God wants us to experience. God is saying, no, you got to shift gears, man. You got to shift gears. You got to get out of the gear that you're in right now. Because we can't do new things the old way. We can't do great and mighty new things the old way. God is saying, you got to shift gears. You're going to go to another level. You got to put yourself in another, another place. You got to position yourself in a different place. Because I got somewhere that I want you to be. I got another spot for you. I got another blessing that I want to put you in, but I can't do it in the gear that you're in right now. And here tonight, maybe that's you. Maybe you really need to recommit yourself first to Christ. Maybe your relationship with God is shot. You're not praying, not reading his word anymore. You're not fellowshipping with other believers. Here tonight, I'm going to open up the altars I'm going to ask you to come. And if you need to recommit yourself, just grab a hold of him tonight. Because God has never left you. God has never forsaken you. Even though sometimes you might feel like it, God is here right now. God wants to wrap his arms around you right now. God wants to love you the same way he used to love you before. God's love never changes. It doesn't change because you might have made a mistake or you might have messed up or maybe you kind of put him on the back burner. He still loves you the way he loved you before. He's going to love you no matter what. Well, maybe here tonight you need to take courage. You say, you know what? I've, I've, been, I've stepped back. I've, I've tried to outrun some of my problems because I've been afraid. I've been scared because I don't know what's going to happen. But tonight maybe you say, you know what, God? I need some courage. I need some confidence that comes from you. I need you within my life. I need another touch from you. I need a fresh touch from you here tonight. If that's you, go ahead and come to the altar.